0: Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to SOMA's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at solma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at Soma.Church. Enjoy the message. Okay, Soma Summer. Grab uh, note cards if you got them, phone, Bible, all my paper Bible people. Raise, raise, raise them up if you got paper Bibles in here. Anybody, paper Bible people, e- excellent. Uh, Proverbs 4, verse 11 is where we're going to be today. Before we jump into that passage while you're finding it, I'm curious, how many people when you're growing up, uh, like elementary schools, when this happened for me, but we had book fair. We had like the book fair. They brought it. Oh, book fair hit so hard. And, and you should, like, oh, you hit your parents up. Like I got to get like 40 bucks for book fair. I, gotta get me, I got to get me some of them erasers. And I got to get that book. And, and so one of the things I would always get, children of the 80s and 90s will relate. How many of you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Y'all remember Choose Your Own Adventure? 42 different endings, okay? So you read it. And you're being chased by a pack of wolves, and you come up on this cave. If you want to go in the cave, page 130. Uh, if you don't want to go in the cave, you want to keep running, page 210. And you just have to make a decision. And, and there's a lot riding on this decision. But you're like, all right, well, I'm going to go in the cave. You go in the cave. You realize it's not a cave. Uh, it's a volcano. Now you're plummeting to your death, 500 feet into some lava. You're like, hold up. You go back to a different ending. But you can read it, 42 different endings, so great. But um, a lot of us think that, you know, God's will for our life and following Jesus and life in general kind of works like a choose-your-own-adventure novel. Like, so much is riding on our decisions. If I turn to page 130, I might die. Might be destruction, might be chaos. Also, what I'm after is peace and prosperity. But there's so much that's riding on this particular decision and what we see in Proverbs 4 is that's not the way that it is. That's not the way that life is. And so, but when we're following God, sometimes it can feel that way. Uh, and so we struggle with questions like Should I take this job? Man, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to like miss my purpose in life. You know, should I take this job? Should I go to grad school? Should I ask her out? Should we move? And sometimes the Bible is clear with direction for your life, there, there's specific commandments that the Bible has. For example, when it comes to praying or when it comes to do not fear or repent or give thanks, and sometimes those commands are just don't do these things like lie or cheat or steal or kill or whatever. But, but more often than not, a lot of the decisions that we're making are not, there's no biblical, there's not like an exact thing that Scripture is trying to give you. It's just a direction and a path that is wisdom in Scripture. And that's what Proverbs 4 is telling us. It's about it's about. Um, stepping into the life that you were meant to live by just being led by God on this path. So Proverbs 4.11 is where we're going to pick up, and we're going to go through uh, verse 27. So here we go. I instruct you. This is King Solomon, by the way, talking to his son. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Everybody say paths. Now listen to how many times he says paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well. Man, it is your life. This wisdom, this path that you're going to be set on is going to give you over to life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. They cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep until they make somebody stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. That's a word for somebody today. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your eyes, your gaze directly before you. I love the way the author of Hebrews says that We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Hey, just have real focus. A lot of our issues are attached to distractions that we experience. He says, hey, focus Fix your gaze directly before you give careful thought to the paths. There's that word again for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And uh, and I love it because in Proverbs four, he gives us three promises that I think are really cool. And, and we read God's word to be reminded of his character and just this God's story. And we get to be a part of it. And it's just amazing to just worship God for who he is and the character of God, but i also, and you do too, we read God's word because there are promises in God's word attached to his word that they're conditional promises. If you do this, then this, and sometimes they're not conditional. It's just like promises, which is super great. It doesn't require me to do much, but, uh, but I'm all about the promises because there's something for me in that. So verse 12, when he says, when you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. If you walk in the path of wisdom, verse 18 he says your path will be like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until the full day basically you get more clarity there's going to be more it's going to be more clear more revelation more direction for your life if you're walking in wisdom then if you're not walking in wisdom you'll stumble all over yourself verse 26 and this is my favorite one verse 26 he says all your ways will be sure i love that one highlight that underline that that's a good word all my ways all your ways are going to be sure So I've got three observations about knowing the will of God and walking in clarity from this passage. The first one is this. The will of God is a path, not a door. The will of God is a path, not a door. Proverbs 4.11, he says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Everybody say paths. Paths. You're walking on a path. And so Proverbs 4, and the will of God, is a path. Six times he says it in these verses. And uh, so instead of it being about a door or, again, choose your own adventure, like i got a major decision. If I make the wrong one, my life is ruined. I will never be able to rebound. Uh, but rather the Bible tells us uh, the will of God is more like a path that we walk in than a specific decision that we need to make. And so uh, God, God's, he'll open up doors for you, but primarily he's going to do that on that path. That's where he's going to open up doors. And so he's not so much concerned about the what or the particulars because you're like, all right, do I need to take this specific job? Because if I don't, i ruin rule my life. It's more about how. It's more about who you're becoming and how you carry yourself as you navigate those opportunities. And so it's the path. So most seek the will of God like it's an answer to that question. Um, a lot of people have that eight ball theology. You went to Cracker Barrel. You went to the toy sex. You got that eight ball. And you were like, do I need to, do I need to ask her out? <laughs> You know what I mean? Definitely. You know, like, uh, do, you know, do I, do I need, am I going to be a billionaire? No. Okay, so, uh, but, you, but you're, you're wanting a, a quick answer, and that's not the way that the Bible teaches us about God's will. God's will is more a path that you walk in. Lifestyle choices, patterns of behavior, ways of thinking, disciplines that are built, things you begin to love, watch this, as you do them. Even if you don't love them on the front end, as you do them, And then as you're doing his will, as you're walking that path, then you will be doing the will of God as you walk in the direction that he wants you to walk in. And so wisdom tells us to follow Jesus. And as we follow him, we're doing the will of God. That's what it teaches us. And God, you know, God rarely speaks audibly, both in Scripture but also in our lives. Side note, if he speaks a lot to you audibly, please let me know but like God, like occasionally Holy Spirit will just impress upon you a specific thing or specific directions, and that happens in our life, but a lot of times that's, that's the, the exception. A lot of times that's not happening, and again, if this happens to you all the time, for real, please let me know, but, but a lot of times he's already spoken through his word and then the Holy Spirit's just given us application for what he's already said in his word, and so a um, great example is the Apostle Paul. So Paul in Scripture he gives all of these, um, he, the way that he phrases things are they're somewhat tentative phrases for a guy like Paul. So Paul, if you're new to church space, if you're new to the Bible, so he writes two-thirds of, uh, of our New Testament. He's writing all these letters to these churches that he helped to establish. But before all that, persecutor of the church, far from God, Jesus meets him. He literally meets resurrected Jesus. And then after that, God changes his, his heart, his life. And he gives everything over to help advance the gospel, the good news that Jesus was alive, and then he died, and now he's resurrected, and that has implications for everybody else's resurrection. Paul gives his life over to that, and he's a wild man. And sometimes God will give him specific instructions. Don't go there, go here. But more often than not, when you read Paul's letters, he's just talking about, what. like, I'm just going to try this on. Watch this. This is, Acts, this is Acts 15, verses 28 through 29. He says this. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Like I'm 72% sure this is what God wants me to do, right? It's this whole, like I'm, this seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And there's another example, like in 1 Corinthians 16, when he's writing a letter to the church, I'm gonna paraphrase this part for time's sake, but uh, you can check my math on it. Go back to 1 Corinthians 16 and read it. But when he says, when I come to Corinth, I'll see what everybody thinks about me going to Jerusalem. I don't know if they're going to want me to go to Jerusalem. I want to go to Jerusalem. I'll see what they think about it. I tried to get Apollos to come to visit, but he didn't really think it was a good idea right now. And for now, my plan is to come to you after I go through Macedonia. That's my plan right now. It could change. I'll probably stay a while, maybe even the winter. Again, tentative phrasing. I want to take my time if God permits me to. I'm also going to spend some time in Ephesus because there seems to be some great things that God's doing there. That's his letter to the church in Corinth. I'm going to try this out. And because we, we look at Paul, we look at certain people of faith, and we go, man, God, man, they know exactly what to do next. And he's really just kind of trying it all. He's kind of walking in the way of God without having specific instruction. He moved in the direction he thought he was supposed to go. And so here's some of the things that you and I hear that I think are unhealthy sometimes when it comes to the will of God for your life and my life. The first one is follow the open doors. Man, just man, follow them open doors. God will open up doors. And, hey, if God closes a door, he'll open a window somebody, right? So you'll, have, you'll hear phrasing like that, which is not wrong. And I'm an opportunist. I'm all about an open door. But sometimes the open door doesn't mean that you're supposed to take it. It's just an opportunity. So it doesn't translate into God opened this door. This is where God wants. It's just an open door. It's not even – it's just an opportunity. Um, there's all kinds of biblical precedent. For example, the fall of man. I mean, we're, all, we're at the beginning of this story. We're in Genesis, right? So there's an opportunity. I can eat that fruit or I cannot eat that fruit. It's an open door. I'm going to eat that fruit. Uh, Jonah is a great example. God calls Jonah to the people of Nineveh. I want you to go and take this message to these people. I want to rescue and redeem these people. He's like, no, I hate those people. Open door is the boat. I got an opportunity. That boat is going to Tarshish. I'm about to get on that ferry. I'm about to punch my ticket. That's an open door. That's an opportunity. That's not necessarily of God. So he, he goes, he gets on the boat. Open door. They let him on. Open door. They get all settled. Everything's comfortable. Open door. They start. They're in the water. He's thinking this is great. And sometimes the open doors are the things that we step into that are not of God, leads you to a place that's not that great. So you could get eaten by fish is what I'm trying to say on this first one. So it's like, so follow the open doors. It's not necessarily God leading you down the path. Or how about this one? People say, I had a peace about it. Oh, I just had a peace. It just felt good. It's feel good in my spirit. I just, I had a peace about it. And, and again, God will give you a peace and even a peace that passes, um, understanding like it's supernatural. A lot of times it's attached to really hard situations that you're navigating. It's a grace that God gives you to endure whatever it is that you're enduring. But a lot of times it's not stepping into things. The, the whole idea is to not be, don't, don't follow your feelings. Like the whole, the whole idea, uh, is, um, you know, peace is not necessarily your God God sets a path for us. Um, And then the next one is the Holy Spirit. People say the Holy Spirit was prompting me to do that. Basically, God told me to do it. Which, what are you going to say that when people people tell you that, you're like, okay, okay, cool. We'll see. That's what you say. Right? So it's like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to do that. And the Holy Spirit definitely leads by impressing people, uh, you know, impressing something on you, revealing something to you. Um, but just because you get a hunch or an impression, they're not always necessarily from God. In other words, your gut doesn't equal God. So just because you feel a thing, again, doesn't translate to this is God's path for me. So the best thing for you and I to do is to take, man, this is a strong impression, or there's a piece attached to this, or this is an opportunity or an open door, and then filter that through God's word. What has he already said? Do I know it? What has he already said? And then invite wise counsel Who's, who's discerning in my life that knows the path of life, that knows what wisdom looks like? Invite them in and then have them be a part of that conversation. And then I, when we get there, talk like Paul talks. Paul says, it seemed good. Like, I think this is what God wants us to do. I'm not entirely sure. And if anytime you're reading the scripture and God's doing great things through people, Old Testament and New Testament, they're not 100% sure ever. I just want to encourage you. They're, they're never like, I mean, aside from Jesus, they're always like, that's kind of what faith looks like. And, and so like, even when we stepped out to start Psalm, we were like 64% sure this is what God wanted us to do. And I'm, we were lower than what, you know, like we were just, we were this side of 50. And, but we had people like, I don't know if that's a good idea. That's crazy. That's dumb. I don't yeah. but, but, we, but we were pretty sure it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we would do this. And so um, just those are the things that that hold us up sometimes. We think about our lives, making decisions. What is the will of God for my life? Like a choose your own adventure novel. Man, if I make the wrong decision, I've ruined everything. Instead of staying on the path that God has for us. And some of the things that keep us from that path are things like passivity. We're passive. So we're, we're a passive people. We're waiting on God to tell us to do something and he's already given us uh, a commission to do what he's called us to do. Love God, love people, make disciples, enjoy. Like it like there's no specifics attached to. He's not like, okay, well you can't you know, can't wear those shoes today. Like he like he, there's no specifics attached. You know, it's just like, hey, love God, love people, make disciples, I'm going to help you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to be there the entire time. Sometimes I'm going to speak to you. Sometimes I'll give you a specific direction. Other times I've already given you the answer. And so walk in that way. And let me give you some practical next steps for those of you who are in this place where you're struggling with passivity. Exercise the gifts that God has given you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, but you're just walking around dormant in your gifts, you don't serve anybody You're not not using the things that God has given you in a relationship with Jesus. Please serve other people. You were made for it. You were made for the one and others in this room. Matter of fact, here at SOMA, lean into it. It's a huge part of our vision. It's making a difference in people's lives. Serve Day is attached to this. Literally just, God, what do you want me to do with my gifts that you've given me, my time, my resources, my emotional equity, my passions, my talents, my money, everything. And then what can I do to serve people with what you've given me? And then begin to exercise those gifts, begin to serve people here at Soma, outside of Soma. But again, love God, love people, make disciples. That's the whole idea. And there, uh, there doesn't have to be specific, uh, you know, a directive in order for you to walk in the will of God or in, in the path that he has for you. For example, Esther in the Bible. Esther doesn't walk in passivity. Great example of someone who doesn't hear a specific direction from God already knows her assignment. She's there. Hey, all of the people of Israel are going to be wiped out. If you don't do something about it, she's like, that's probably on me. I should probably pick this up. Nowhere in Esther does God speak to her, nor does she ask. She knows the answer. This is my assignment. And she even says in the book, just like Paul, hey, I'm pretty sure this is what God wants me to do. I I feel compelled to do this for my people. I know God is in the business of loving people, serving people. I'm going to try and help these people. And then she says, if I perish... I perish. If I die doing it, I die doing it. But just begin to step out in faith and do the things you know God's already asked you to do. Another example, some of us are waiting on, this is more practical, some of us are waiting on the perfect job. So you're like, you got in your mind what the perfect job is. Amazing. But you don't have a job currently. And so I'm gonna tell you, your future employer is gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna find you a lot more attractive. If you have a job, as you apply for the perfect job, right? So just get a job, work while you wait. So just get the job that you need to get the next job to get the next job so that one day you get the perfect job, right? But you don't, you don't start there. You're just what, what can I do with what I got? Where am I at? Here's another one. <laughs> some of you, are, uh, uh, for some of us, um, marriage is super scary. So, you know, you, you've been dating for a decade. I'm shooting shots today, don't look at anybody. But you've been dating for a decade and it's time. And, uh, and, and the, qu- the thing you're stressed out about is, like, how do I know if she's the one? There is no mythical one. Just let you in on that secret. There's no mythical one. There's compatibility. There's a shared faith and a conviction in Jesus. There's mutual interest and attraction, and God will use all of that to bring people together. And guess what? Once you are together, once you're in a covenant, uh, in a, you're in a marriage and in a covenant relationship, that is your one, okay? So, like, that's the mythical one. But, but up to that point, as a couple, you decide, is this what we want to do with our lives? I know it's wild. And so here's some questions you could be asking right now. Are you attracted to her or him? If you are not, please stop playing games. Like, break up with each other and, like, this is ridiculous. Life is short. Would she make a good wife? Would he make a good husband? Am I afraid to introduce this person to my parents? You know what I'm saying? hard pause. Okay. So, so uh, it, it, you know, is, is he is good companion? They're going to make a good companion, a good, a good wife, a good husband, a good mother, a good father. And if they are, and if you love each other and you want to pursue marriage, do the thing. And if you don't dump them, like just get just like, but move like caveat. If you just started dating, this is not for you. You're like, pastor told me to get married. Like, so if you've been dating for like two weeks, this is not for you. I'm talking about people who just like struggle with the whole idea of I got to find my soulmate. I got to find this person. Like, man, if I, what if I went to the wrong undergraduate school and I got the wrong major? I was supposed to be in this state or this country, and I would have met this person, and they were supposed to, like in my head, they had red hair. You know, like whatever your thing is, it doesn't work that way. It's a path. Do they love Jesus? Do they love me? Again, I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you food for thought. So we, we talk about finding the will of God. Most of God's will is not lost but just start doing something. Just move. And we don't move, and here's the reason why we don't move forward a lot of times, whether we're talking about jobs, school, you know, moving towards uh, a relationship or marriage or anything like that. We don't really trust that God will take care of us, so we need him to tell us something directly before we'll do it. So we're afraid of making the wrong moves and we don't make any moves, which is a wrong move. Again, life is short. What was I, what, what if I was supposed to go this place? You know, what if I was supposed to be here? What if I was, and again, what if I turned to the wrong page? I was on page 130, now I'm at page 210, I'm going to die, volcano. Like, you know, and and Proverbs 4 tells us, the one who walks in wisdom, hey, if you're walking in wisdom, you will not stumble. The particulars don't matter. (laughs) I'll make his way sure. I love that. God says, I'll make his way sure. It will be like walking in the brightness of, Of day. So one of the things that holds us back is we're passive. Another thing that holds us back is we like idols. We like idols. And if you're new to Bible language or the whole idea of an idol basically is misappropriate. You're just putting something in the place of God that doesn't belong there. You have misaligned priorities. Instead of pursuing a relationship with God, he created you, fashioned you, uh, he he built you for a purpose. He desires to be in relationship with you. He wants top spot. You put something else in the place of God and you got to have this thing this whole idea of, of idols behind a lot of our stress over the will of God is the idol of the good life. The presumption that we really need a perfect life to be happy as if God promised you that. Like if I don't have all of the things God's mad at me or, you know, this isn't working out how, how I thought it was going to work out. So we put all the weight on this decision, whatever this decision is, because how could we ever be happy if we don't have a perfect marriage or a lucrative career or complete health? or you filling the blank with whatever except the Bible promises the opposite? that it's not subject to your environment or your circumstances. He will give you joy. He will give you peace. He will give you satisfaction and fulfillment and freedom. A perfect job, perfect marriage, these things are not your security for the future. God is your security. And many of us, the will of God is an idol because we spend so much time, energy, trying to know the will of God that we spend hardly any time trying to know God. God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Your prayer life is relegated to asking, hey, I need some direction around these things. I don't want to spend any time in your presence. I don't really want to get to know you. I definitely don't want you to get to know me, even though you already do. Like I, but, I, but just the whole idea is instead of knowing him, which is the whole mission for us as a church, by the way. So if you don't enjoy that part, you're going to hate this exercise of like being a part of SOMA. But like know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. The find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference is attached to the know God if you want to walk in the path of life if you want wisdom it starts with a personal relationship with him you got to know him and just because you don't have a lucrative career three degrees a very symmetrical face or a storybook marriage doesn't mean you miss God's will some of you might be mad at God for not giving you that but God's intention is not to make your life perfect his intention is to be in relationship with you it's to lead you it's to love you and it's for you to love him back so that he can lead you so we like idols. The third one is we're lazy. We're lazy. And again, I'm not mad today. Y'all are like, he's so mad. I'm preaching it myself, okay? Like I'm right here with you. All right, so we're lazy. We're lazy. And, and uh, we don't really want to put in the effort and the discipline into growing into wisdom. We'd rather just someone tell us the answer. So that's the reason why we like to choose your, choose your adventure or just like, hey, would you just tell me already? <laughs> Where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do, who I'm supposed to do it with, would just give me the answer instead of walking in a path of wisdom. Wisdom says in the Bible, seek me daily, treasure me, desire me more than gold or silver or a college education or a certain place to live or a certain people group or a graduate degree or the best job, whatever you're after. Seek me more than all of those things. And guess what? As you seek me, you will find me if you ask. I'll give it over. If, like if you're spending time, if you're walking with me, you'll know the answer. You'll have to, you won't have to ask as many questions if you're on the path, right? And so here's number two. If the will of God is a path, then the path that you're on determines your destination. The path that you are currently on is where you're headed in every area of life. Not your intention, not what you want, but the direction for your life. Proverbs 4, Solomon's telling his son, pay attention to the path that you're currently on. It determines where you end up. And it doesn't matter whether or not you want to go there. That is where the path is taking you. So that's why Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life. And he's talking about himself. He's talking about this path of life that we find in Christ. It's less about our intention Unwise people, and you know them, I know them, unwise people are well-intentioned people. You know people who have great intentions? They're just so nice. But it's like you still do dumb stuff and be well-intentioned at the same time. So that doesn't translate to wisdom. But wisdom is walking in a certain way. And so if I were to ask you today to just give us a list, hey, if you'll make a list of all the things that are most important to you right now in your life, what are your top priorities? Where do you want to invest all your energy and your time and your passions, what do you want your life to be about? Make that list, prioritize it. Would the direction of your life, how you spend your time, your energy, your passions, your mental, like your headspace, your heart, would all that align with your priorities? If you're like me, chances are you'd have some adjustments to do. But the path, the direction for your life is what determines your destination. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. If you want to go to the beach, some of y'all are going to the beach. It's beach time, Soma summer. You go, pick your favorite beach, whatever your favorite beach is. Uh, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina. We got any Holden Beach people in here? Holden Beach people, shout out. Sunset, Ocean I'm just going to start naming beaches. Myrtle. No one's ever been to Myrtle, y'all lie. Like so, so uh, okay. Hilton Head. You want to go to Hilton Head? Pack the family up. Get them, get everything ready. I really want to go to Hilton Head. You get on 40, you're going west on 40. Don't matter how much you want to go to Hilton Head. You keep going in that direction, you're not going to make it to Hilton Head. And so that's what he's trying to teach us in this passage. The direction, not the intention, determines your destination. And so you intended to marry a great guy who loves Jesus, have a solid family, kids who grow up in the church. That's my vision. That's my intention. But right now I'm dating a guy who's not a Christ follower. It's the direction, not the intention, that will determine the destination. How about this? You might be a woman who says, I want to be happily married as an older woman. I want all the things. I want hand holding. I want, like, we're, we're 80 and we're hand, holding each other's hands in the park. Nicholas Sparks. I want it all. But you're rude to your husband. You focus all your attention on your kids. You neglect your relationship. Where's that path going? Your intention, dad, is for your kids to grow up, feel close to you, love you, want to be around you, so now you're working 70 hours a week, they never see you, what's the path? Your intention is to be generous. Generosity is our joy. <laughs> I'm so excited to bless people one day, but my credit card debt is growing. What's the path? I have zero margin. What's the path? I can't afford, I can't afford to pay attention. What's the path? Right? And so direction, not intention, determines destination. The path you are on determines your destination. Here's the last one. The condition of your heart determines the direction of your path. According to Proverbs 4, verse 23, above all else, which is, in the original language, it means all else. Above everything, he says, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do, not most of what you do, not some of what you do. If you want to know why you do what you do, it comes from here is what he tells us in Proverbs 4.23. And so if I desire to like walk in the will of God for my life, I need to realize, hey, it's not my intentions. There's a lot of well-intentioned people in the world. It can't just be about that. Like I actually have to align my intention with, with practice and discipline so that I have like a path. I'm actually going to Hilton Head, right? So, like, so the path, but the way that we get there and the way that happens is we gotta deal with our heart. We gotta deal with our heart. The thing that holds us back from the will of God is our heart. Wrong desires cause us to make unwise choices and miss the will of God. Our disordered heart causes us to live in confusion. And that's why verse 19 of this passage says this, but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. And some of us are there where you wanna do the right thing, can't help yourself. You're well-intentioned, you lack direction. Uh, you keep struggling with the same stuff or just in general, you don't know the way out. And it just feels, it feels there. It feels like you're, man, I'm in a place of deep darkness. Look at how how De Solomon describes the life of the person with the wicked heart. It's, it's the essence of the sinful heart in scripture is a heart that feels like there's something that it needs that it can't be happy without that thing. Again, back to idolatry. Okay. Am I putting God where he belongs? There's something else there. And you can even put good, you can even make good things a God thing. You could take uh, a career that is great. that helps, helps people, serves people. It could be a marriage. It could be another person. It can be, you can take things and put them and just have the wrong order. And it will, it will lead to a path of destruction to the point that you're making stupid decisions in pursuit of that thing. And then it ends up destroying your life. For example, well, I'm going to go back to the, our marriage, uh, Example for those who are in dating season or for people who are navigating that next step. Um, there are some people who, who struggle with marriage and they obsess over it. It's an idol for them, this whole idea of I've got to find this perfect person and I have this standard and I have this bar and every time I date some joker, it's like they're not meet. even though you don't meet that bar, but like there's a standard in a bar so high that it's just like, I just can't, I don't date anybody. I'm just so... I mean cuz I got to have it just this is an idol in my life. I got to have this perfect. Or the opposite is true. I just got to have somebody. I'm a serial dater cuz I gotta, I got to have somebody. I just need I just need somebody close. Doesn't matter who. I mean, you know, if you're breathing, if you're, you know, like just some people they struggle so it's it's an idol for them and that they just need that as a, just as a comfort. They can't, you know, they can't live life without it. They don't care if the person is right for them. They just have to have somebody. And so for both of these examples, the disordered heart sabotages them and causes them to make bad decisions. The one in not pursuing marriage or pursuing a life with somebody and the other in dating everything that moves. And so uh, it, other, others of us do this with our careers. So moment of vulnerability right now. So like one of my idols is career. And it's easy for me to hide behind. I've said this before, so I'm not telling you anything new unless you are new. And then, hey, welcome. I'm going to tell you about my idols. uh, But but one of them is like what I do. And I know if you're a lot of guys, we struggle with this one because a lot of our identity and our worth is attached to what we do. But um, it's easy for me to hide behind because it's ministry. So people pat you on the back. Man, look what you're doing for Jesus. That's amazing. But you could still abdicate responsibility as a husband, as a dad, as a son, as a brother, as a friend, as a family member. You could still just just miss it and then get to the end of life. And just, but if I were to put it on paper, I wouldn't put it on paper the way that I'm living it. Again, sometimes your, your, your direction and the path for your life has to align with your intentions. And so just think about what are, you, what are yours? Like what are your idols? What are the things that you think about a little bit too much? You're a little too emotionally invested in. Man, if I don't get it just exactly the way that I want it, my life falls apart. You know, I don't know what to do if this doesn't happen the way that I thought it was supposed to happen. And instead, man, do I trust God in this path? And so get your heart back in order. How does that happen? He tells us in Proverbs 4, he tells us, hey, he said, you just need to marinate on my words is what Solomon says. You want wisdom? I've already given it. You want direction? I've already got it. Do you spend time? Do you read? Do you allow Scripture to read you? Do you allow for the Bible to just get into the places and spaces that really you know, man, I needed that? I needed that so bad. This is Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. It says this The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. It's deceitful above all things. You lie to yourself more than you lie to anybody else, by the way. So you don't even know how bad it is, right? Who can understand how bad it is? I love the answer in verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. He's like, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where there's a miss. I'll tell you where you're selling out. I'll tell you where you're missing the abundant life. I'll tell you where you're settling. I'll tell you. I'll show you the areas of your heart that that are wicked, that are just not the way that they need to be, that you're just... After things you don't need to be after. To reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. A lot of people see that and they go, ah, he's going to reward my good behavior. He's going to reward my deeds. Except it's subject to the first part of 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. He's going to reward you based on this, out of the overflow of this. Because you could do good things for, with bad motivations all day long and you're still on the wrong path. You can do the right things with the wrong heart. And he's going, yeah, but your heart's still jacked up. I know they gave you a trophy, but also you're still wicked. So so just let God search your heart and go, man, God, I need you to show me what I can't see in my own strength. And in order to do that, again, we got to spend time with him. He already knows you. You need to know how much he knows you. You need to spend time with him. And so, um, And as we do that, what's amazing is he begins to teach us some things. Jesus, he was asked by his disciples, they said, Lord, show us the way. And then Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I'm the way. And if you know me, you'll know the way. Hey, if you follow me, all the other little decisions that you stress out over, you'll just get, like you'll just start to lock in. I love the way St. Augustine put it, he said this way, Love Jesus and do whatever you want. Some of you are all like, hold up, whatever I want. Like, if you love Jesus, that's really important The order. Love Jesus out of the overflow of your love for Christ. There is a freedom attached to that relationship and the love for him that now all of a sudden I don't see people as a means to an end but I see them as people that I get to serve. I begin to see people the way that God sees people, and I love Jesus, and guess what? There's a freedom. It's like, well, what about this specific? Love people? Love God, love people, make disciples, have fun, right? So it's like, man. And so demystify this whole idea of the will of God as he's already given us a directive. He's already set a path for us. And so if you love Jesus, if you love what Jesus loves, he says, move in that. And as you guard your heart, he begins to guide your way. And he begins to, he tells us this in Proverbs 4, he makes it more clear. There's more light on the other side of just walking out that path, being obedient. The condition of your heart is the single biggest biblical factor in making good decisions. And in the times when God has, um, because this happens to all of us, has put me back on the path that he had for my life, it was always a heart issue. Always. Anytime I've ever drifted, anytime I've ever missed it, anytime I got distracted, anytime I was ever broken, it was always like he needed to do surgery here to just bring me back to a place that he was wanting to use me in to walk in the direction and the path that he had for my life. Doing the will of God doesn't begin with an act of your will or a new and better decision, but in changing the love that you have, just changing the loves of your heart. Do I have everything in proper order? And your heart determines whether or not you do the will of God. And that's how we walk in wisdom. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for this passage. Thank you for this moment, this opportunity that we have as church family to gather, to worship, to pray, to have a shift in our perspective by your word that gives life, that cuts in all the right places, reveals the opportunities that we have to not settle, but to grow into the abundant life, to, to follow you into the abundant life that you want for us. There is a path of life and it looks like wisdom. It looks like Jesus, Jesus, you are the way. When we know you, we know the way. And so if you're here today and maybe like me, as I was preparing for this, God's working on your heart on some things. There's some areas of your life that you know what, if I were to put it on paper, if I were to tell you my intentions, it would look one way, but the direction for my life looks a different way. And I know God's speaking to me in this area today. Would you just do work right now in this moment? Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to all of us the opportunities that we have to walk in the path of life? It's just waiting. It's just waiting on us. God, you're out in front of us. Give us over to the courage of conviction to be able to apply what we hear today. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you feel far from God. You feel just like Proverbs said, you feel like you're walking around in a dark space. You're just stumbling over all kinds of things. You do not have a direction. You do not have purpose. You definitely don't feel like life, like life giving. It doesn't feel like joy. It doesn't feel like there is a security attached to your eternity. Uh, And it's because you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. And I'm not talking about being good or, or moral absolutes or behavior modification or any of those things that we're after. I'm talking about, are you in a relationship with Jesus? Have you decided that you need a Savior? Have you decided that you need a Lord? And have you had the moment where you see yourself in relationship to who Jesus is? That's the moment of salvation where you go all in. And you go, man, the path that I'm on is leading me to destruction. It is the opposite of what I want for my life. But Jesus, I need to come in alignment with who you are. And so the Bible tells us that It is your faith. It's that moment where you see Jesus for who he is. It's your faith that saves you. But it also encourages us to confess him as Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to confess Jesus as Lord. With all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Again, this is a moment between you and God. Holy Spirit is revealed to you. Hey, there's some inconsistent things. You're going in a direction that's going to lead to death. You are not in a relationship with Jesus. And you need to come come under uh, his covering. Have him as identity. He needs to be your Lord and your Savior. You need to experience salvation today. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus and you're in the room with all of our heads bowed, just raise your hand in the room and just say, that's for me. I want to confess him as Lord. Amen. See, hands go up. Is there anybody else? It's just an opportunity for you to confess. I know I need it. I know I need to surrender. Amen. Awesome. Right where you're at, just say, Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much that when, when I was at my worst, you were at your best. And you came and you stepped into my place. God, you died in my place. You took all my sins and you give me over to a hope in a future. You give me over to a resurrected life in you. So I, all of my faith, I place it in you. My trust, I place it in you. Would you give me the courage? Holy Spirit, would you lead me moving forward? God, would you speak to me uh, every single day? Help me to grow in a relationship with you. Help me to grow in the path of life so that I can become more like Jesus. And if you're here and you're like, you know what? I've missed the mark in these areas. I feel like I've been off the path in these areas. Hey, here's the good news. You can already be in a relationship with Jesus and he sees you and he wants more for you than you want for yourself. And he's asking you, hey, would you just come back to this path? Would you just come back to my way? Would you just, would you just meet with me? Would you just help me? I, I can do heart surgery. I just need you to come to the table. And that might be you today. And so just pray, God, is that me? And what areas do you want to work in my life? Here's the good news. God is faithful. He continues to be faithful. His promises are yes and amen. All the things, man, think about all the ways that God's coming through in your life up to this point. He's going to continue to do that. And so just trust him with all of those things. Lord, we love you. We celebrate you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.